Welcome to the Cathedral Library Bible Podcast. I'm Rob Steele. And I'm Jordan Duncan. And our desire with this podcast is to show you how easy and enjoyable it is to come to Scripture and walk away having heard the words of God and being changed by them. Amen. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cathedral Library Podcast. Uh, Jordan and I are here jumping into our next text. We are excitedly jumping into Mark 10, verses 32 to 52 today. Uh, We're in a bit of a different room, and it's echoing like crazy. And every time Jordan touches his pen to the paper, we can hear it. There it was, right (laughs) there. Uh, So bear with us a bit if the sound is a little bit off. But we are very excited for the text today. And uh, we're sure we have a very... um, what did we say? It's going to be quick today. Yeah, we thought this one would be short. Because you know us. We're always short. We were uh, amazed by how many of you made it to the end of our last podcast and contacted us. Um, and so we're uh, going to work on how to get a couple of you involved that are willing to jump in with us here. We're just working on how to do that. So if you've heard this and you haven't heard back from us on those things, that's what we're working on is just when and how. Uh, but we're excited for it. So Mark 10... 32 to 52. Jordan, why don't you uh, take it away and give us a run through uh, of where we're at. Okay, well, uh, last episode we talked about how, so the last thing that happened was Jesus has that conversation with the rich young man and it explains to the disciples that um, the last, the first will be last and the last first. And the disciples are um, exceedingly astonished, it said, and and amazed at his words. And so then it carries on from there in our text today. It says that they, they carry on on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus is ahead of them. And the disciples were amazed, and those who followed him were afraid. I'm not really sure. Like, there's just one sentence. It actually just says, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who it's referring to in each case, or if it's both, or all of them. But it seems like there's this larger group of disciples following who are afraid for some reason and uh, but the the 12 or the closer ones anyway are amazed at Jesus so so Jesus takes those 12 aside again and in their state of amazement he tells them for the third time in as many chapters that he must um he predicts the passion week and like they're on their way to Jerusalem so I mean this is getting close and he explains that we are going up to Jerusalem for this reason, the Son of Man to be delivered over. They'll con- the, ch- the chief priests and scribes will condemn him to death and then deliver him over to the Gentiles, and he'll be mocked, spit upon, flogged, killed, and after three days he'll rise. So it's about as clear as it gets. It's very specific. Yeah. Do you think, because he says here the Son of Man will be delivered over, and I know Jesus is referring to himself, do you think they were that clear that Jesus was referring to himself? That's a good question. I think the first thing I wrote down when I was reading it was Son of Man, connection to Daniel 7. Oh, yeah. Which is the prophecy of the Son of Man getting dominion over all the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've made that connection in past podcasts, I know, just around that's what Jesus is referencing. Yeah, a hyperlink. Um, yeah, exactly. And so then we, when I look at it, though, I don't, it's hard to know how much they understand at this point. Mm-hmm. It's, they seem to... Well, you know, James and John, right, right in the next section, they do an amazingly ridiculous 
thing. Um, <laughs> but, but it does show that they have some concept mm. of him being the son of man who will be enthroned, right? Because they talk about seating on his right and his left. So they do have some concept of that. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely hearing the son of man bit, I guess. Yeah. Because they, there's the assumption of glory and authority being given. Yeah. Because they start asking about that. Yeah. And they do connect it to him, yeah. right? Because they ask, can we sit on your right and left? So they're, they're making that connection. I, I, I really didn't, I almost didn't write anything about the first chunk because I was mm. so, oh my gosh, about the second part. <laughs> just because I just thought, yeah. what are you doing? <clears throat> yeah, I didn't write anything other than it's the third prediction yeah. in, in as many chapters. And yeah, it's astonishing because of what happens immediately after. Um, I mean, for myself, had I just been reading those, these three verses about Jesus's prediction there, I think I'd walk away with this reflection reminder of what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. But then followed by, like, it's me- I think it's meant to be read with what happens next. Mm-hmm. And the reaction of, Jesus' closest disciples to what he's just said and even their their oversight of what a bunch of what he said yeah. seemingly. Yeah. Like the Son of Man will be delivered over, they'll condemn him to death, mock him, spit upon him, flog him, and kill him, and after three days he'll rise. James and John came up and said, Um, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. <laughs> it's absurd. It it sounds like like in my head the way I see this playing out is that they were having this side conversation amongst themselves while Jesus is saying all this. Yeah. And then they tune back in when he says, and after three days he'll rise again. And they totally. go, That's great, Jesus. Hey, um, could we could we could you just do whatever you want what you want you to do for us? Could you? It's isn't it such a like a childish way of talking. Yeah. Like I'm blown away because that's how my kids talk to me. Mm. Okay, dad, I'm going to tell you something, but I need you to respond like this. <laughs> well, no, I can't tell you I'm going to respond like that. Mm-hmm. And for sure I won't because they've already started the conversation with that. So my, I know they're going, they're going for something big. Yeah. But I just, you know, his, they seem to understand that it's Jesus because they're correlating the fact that Jesus will be enthroned in glory. Mm-hmm. Um, but their response to it is so, I don't care about anything you just said. Mm -hmm. So the flogging, the spitting, the killing, Mm -hmm. the condemning, I don't care. But you did say son of man and resurrection. Yeah. And that sounds interesting. I got a question about that. Yeah. And it blows my mind. And I mean, his response is, Basically, seriously, <laughs> like he, you know, is, you, you don't know what you're asking. You have no idea what you're asking me to do. And do, could you do what I'm about to do? Could you mm-hmm. be baptized in the way I'm about to be baptized? Could you drink this cup that I'm about to drink? Could you go through what I'm about to go through? And they, I think prophetically, they go, yeah, we could do that. Mm. And he just takes them at their word. Yeah. He just goes, yeah, and you will but I don't get to give you what you want yeah. out of it. But it just really 
you know, the, the response of the sacrifice of Christ is personal gain and glory. Hmm. And that, for me, that hits all my stuff where I go, that's the, that's the seed of humanity that I see in myself all the time that I always want to be aware of. Jesus is telling me something amazing, and I'm turning it into a story about myself. Right. How I get something good out of it. And, it, and I'm, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he consistently tells us what we're going to get out of it that's good. Mm. Right? He's, not, he's not even actually arguing that. He's going, yeah, you will be with me in heaven, in glory. You mm. will be. But you miss that for the sake of, but I want to be sit, sitting beside you enthroned. Yeah. I want to be getting that glory the one that's actually only yours. And it's, again, it's this like exchange that humanity does with the glory of God going, well, that looks nice. Could I have that instead? Mm-hmm. Just unbelievable. There's another, uh, one of the other gospels tells the same story, but it says that it's actually James and John's mother that comes oh, and yeah. asks him. And so I don't know where this lies. My guess is that the three of them went up together would be my guess um, to ask for this. And the rest of the story plays out the same. Same things are said, all of those things. But I just thought, oh, this is like the whole family is like, hey, get in there. Hey, hey, go for it. Yeah. You can get that. You should go ask him if you can be, uh, remember the son of man? Remember what he gets? Hmm. Go see if you can sit beside him because he likes you. Remember? Yeah. Right? And they're just missing what he's going to have to go through, what he's actually, what he says yes to because of his glory. Yeah. They're severely underestimating the suffering involved with the great glory. Yeah. And I would assume they don't actually think it will, there will be any until he asks them. Mm -hmm. And then at that, again, like you said, it's severely underestimating because they're just going, yeah, sure. Yeah, of course we will. I'll do that. But you see that, I mean, this is, again, we're, if you're new to the scriptures, um, you, I've read ahead a little bit. I know the story and how it goes. And so you know that the apostles have a big change, that there's a big transaction that happens when they receive the spirit and they go out in courage. And so you do know that they would say yes, and they will say yes to the same things that he's said yes to. But at this point... I don't even believe it. (laughs) Yeah. They they all run. Yeah. They all try and get out as quick as they can. I think this, this uh, little story here is pretty helpful for, again, driving home the point that Mark keeps making throughout, which is if this is who Jesus is, what does it mean to be his follower? Yeah. And it's, you get a bunch of insight into that through all the different levels of his followers, but especially, of course, the disciples, yeah. because there's the most to be said about them, I think, because they were the closest. And here it, for me, it challenges, uh, I guess the, it, it asks me the question of what do I want from Jesus and what am I asking him for? Mm-hmm. And wondering then, so then it leaves me with the question of what should I want? <laughs> yeah. What should I ask Jesus for? Because yeah. um, there's lots of places where Jesus talks about um, being able to ask him for whatever yeah. you know, we want and what yeah. we need and, yeah. and those kinds of things. But Jesus here 
he starts, he ends this conversation with some pretty clear direction for what it means to follow him. Yeah. And, and even to participate with him in his, in what, in his mission and what he's doing in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And so basically he, he calls out, I think what is, he, he kind of labels their approach to things as, um, the approach of the rulers of the Gentiles, mm. um, that their their great authorities exercise authority over the people, and and saying you have in mind this kind of authority, but this is not what it's going to be for you. Yeah. Instead, whoever would be great among you, my disciples, must be a servant, and whoever would be first. I mean, we just came off the whoever will be first will be last, and last yeah. first. Yeah. So he says here, whoever will be first among you must be a slave of all. Yeah. And explains that even the son of man himself came to be served, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Yeah. And I think, that, I think he was even trying to do that in the first part. Like he's explaining that the son of man will go through all these things, but their understanding of the son of man is not that at all. Their understanding mm-hmm. of the son of man is dominion and glory and power and authority hmm. And he says, and the Son of Man will be handed over, convicted. Well, that's, no, the Son of Man will not be because the Son of Man is going to have dominion over all things and all people. Yeah. And so, of course, he won't be. And the Son of Man will be flogged. Well, no, he won't be because everything's under his control and the Son of Man will be spit upon. You would never allow that because he's the ruler. And I just think he's, I think he was... I don't know that that was his intent. I think he was he was essentially prophesying his own death and resurrection, but mm-hmm. but in that prophecy he was explaining what that was what was happening that his glory and his authority and his kingship, his rulership is actually um expressed through servanthood and sacrifice. Yeah. And that those aren't things that are opposite to the dominion in which he holds. And so then when he, when they say, well, can we sit at your right and left? What they're asking for is the same glory as the son of man. So that's why his response is that is going, well, then can you do like, cause this is right. what it means to yeah. be that. Yeah. So what it means to be that is you have to take in, you have to experience the things I'm going to experience. You have to understand what I'm going through. You have to receive those same sorts of sacrificial, painful things. Can you do that? Yeah. And I think the, you know his, and then he ends that whole section with the servant, uh, the son of man, came not to, to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he just kind of caps it off. He goes, "Let's go back to the beginning." Yeah. Right. I said the son of man came, and is going to give his life. Now, here's what. Let's re, let's reiterate that again. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so he just kind of brings them back into it again, just going, this is what it means to be in my kingdom. And this is what it means to follow me. And this is what it means to rule. And that's, a, that's what I think is so fascinating. That's the part that I, that's the thing for me in my own heart. I go, when I'm thinking about God's glory, when I think about the kingdom, do I think about rulership like everyone has to listen to what I have to say? Because hmm. I think I do, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Um, but that's actually not what Jesus expresses the kingdom to be. And it's not just in this fallen world. It's the Son of Man came to 
So this is the expression of his dominion is through service, through sacrifice. Yeah. And so do you want to live in my kingdom with me? Then learn how to live in my kingdom. It's through service and through sacrifice. It's not through sitting on the throne, you know, basking in the glory of the people. It's through serving them, through loving them. Um, yeah, just a really interesting thing that it's like he's trying to say, hey, these things that I'm calling you to, I feel like it's, this is what it at least what speaks to me. It's like the things that God calls us to. He's not saying, hey, once, you know, once I finish all this and sin is gone, then we're going to stop sacrificing. Yeah. And then we're going to stop being servants because we'll all be kings and we'll be royalty and we'll be able to do and have dominion over whatever we want. I feel like he's trying to say, no, guys, that's the worldly kingdom showing you that. My kingdom for eternity will look like us serving one another and sacrificing for each other and caring for each other and putting ourselves on the lowest seat and lifting up one another. That's what the kingdom of God will look like forever. Mm-hmm. So don't see it as, well, it's a means to an end so that I can gain my authority at the end. Yeah. Instead, it's a, this is what authority truly looks like. Yeah, when the kingdom comes and everything's the way it should be, doesn't mean we're all going to be sitting in these powerful places. It means when the kingdom comes and everything's as it should be, you're going to be serving one another. Yeah. I wonder if I'm just making, I don't have time to read back through the last however many chapters, but I looked at the places Jesus predicts his death and resurrection in uh, chapter 831 and 930. Mm -hmm. And then here, and he says explicitly in each place that he's going to be killed and after three days rise again. Mm. And I wonder if they hadn't made the connection yet. Like, I wonder if they were viewing that as um, him saying, look, this is where this is going. Because we're revolutionaries, what's going to happen is I'm going to get killed for this. But I promise you I will rise again, which is an amazing thing. To, to claim and sure. predict. Sure. Um, and so whether they thought he was being um, hyperbolic, you yeah. know, like yeah. a, if you, if you have a revolutionary sure. gaining this band of men, he yeah, might give yeah. these speeches of, you think of all these movies that you've yeah. seen of people going, even if we have to die, we will rise again. Totally. You know, and you go, yeah. are you actually going to die? Or are you just saying it's going to get yeah. hard, but we'll come through. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, they hadn't understood that he needed... So in 831, he says that he must die. These things must happen. But I don't know that they understand why mm-hmm. they must happen, mm-hmm. that actually his death is an important piece of this. Yeah. Until he says, all, all these things I'm saying about the Son of Man, like, I actually came for this reason to die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to rise again, and that's important too. But the point is service and sacrifice. Yeah. I'm giving, I'm actually, I'm not dying. Yeah. Um, so I guess in the three predictions, it says what's going to be done to him. Yeah. And it sounds like he's just saying, we're going to get attacked, mm-hmm. but we're going to come through it. But then here in verse 45, he explains, this isn't like we're getting attacked and it's... Um, Can't be stopped or I'm... Yeah, like this... Yeah. This is my action yeah. in submitting to death, yeah. and I'm, I'm giving my life yeah. as a ransom. 
that's it's part of what I love about the deeper I get into understanding, and I'm I feel like I still don't. I'm I'm so at the shallow end of the cross. It's stuff like that what you just pointed out, and I go, this was a choice. Mm. He was not he was not forced into it. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. For many, it was for the purpose. It was he came with that in mind. It wasn't a you know, if I go, they're pretty bad people down there. Yeah. And they're going to be able to overpower me physically. And so because, because I'm a revolutionary, like you said, I'm, I'm probably, I'm just going to have, I'm going to die. I just mm-hmm. know it. Right. Cause God can see the future. So yeah. of course he knows that's going to happen, but I go, that's not really how he talks. He says he came for this reason. Yeah. There's like, there's purpose in it. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. He doesn't actually just let it happen. Mm-hmm. He came, and he didn't come just knowing it would happen. He came choosing for it to happen, mm-hmm. which is another whole thing. Yeah, and I guess that's it. They think they're hearing this, I'm going to die and rise again. They think the purpose, his mm-hmm. purpose is the, the rising again part and what happens right. after that. Right. And he goes, actually, the death is part of the purpose as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. But you can't. You can't pull one from the other because the rising again is all the glory they expect. But yeah. the death is like, well, it's a bad world. Right? And he's going, actually, both is how I work. Something must, I mean, he created, if we believe he's the creator, right? So John 1 1 tells us he's creator, co creator with God the Father. Yeah. Then he intended that a seed would have to die in order to breed new life. Yeah. In, in just agricultural terms. Somehow in God's system, in his kingdom, in the way he works, death unto life. This is actually in his system right from the initiation of life itself, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's very fascinating. Very fascinating. Hmm. Okay, so what happens next is... They, they come to Jericho, they leave Jericho, nothing really happens in Jericho, but as they're leaving, uh, he's with his disciples and a great crowd. Okay, so my assumption was confirmed. Uh, Bartimaeus, who is a blind beggar, and the son of Timaeus, so probably somebody, they, whoever was receiving this gospel, I guess, was familiar with, yeah. um, which is just kind of a neat personal touch to put on it, I guess. Yeah. To go, oh, hey, you guys remember uh, Timaeus? Yeah. Yeah, this was his son we're talking about. (laughs) That is cool. I think that's neat. He was sitting by the road, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on him. And a bunch of people rebuke him, tell him to shut up. But he cries out all the more. And so Jesus stops, calls him, and tells the disciples to call him over. And they do, saying, take heart, get up. Jesus is calling you. So he throws off his cloak, springs up, and comes to Jesus. Father, I mean, what do you think the throwing off the cloak details about? What's that about? Well, that's do you have point. any guesses? I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's some good there is article like, to read or something, but we aren't doing that. No, there is. I mean, there's a lot in the scripture about mantles, like cloak being oh, a mantle. Interesting, yeah. So tossing off something old mm. in order to receive something new. That's an Old Testament, pretty. Uh, consistent Old Testament thing. Huh. 
but I hadn't thought of it until you just said that. I, I wouldn't, I was just, yeah. And I wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't even like a leading question to set you up. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. And this is interesting. So he springs up, throws off his cloak, comes to Jesus and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Which I didn't, I just made this connection as we're reading it live here. That that's exactly what he asked James and John, mm. which I thought there was a, I already thought there was probably supposed to be a parallel here between these right. two stories. Yeah. Um, but that just makes it clear. Obviously there is. Uh, so the blind man says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Oh, he also calls him Rabbi and they called him teacher, mm. which is at least a similar thing, if not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let me recover my sight. And Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovers his sight and follows Jesus. Mm. So if it's at least a parallel to the story before, mm-hmm. I think it's then interesting that he, he does, his cry to Jesus is not grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in glory, but son of David, have mercy on me. Yeah. It's a very different response. It is a very different response. Mm. Or a way to approach Jesus, I guess. Mm. So James and John start with, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Whatever we ask of you. And Bartimaeus' approach is, son of David, have mercy on me. Mm. And which of them get what they want? Hmm. I, when I read it originally, I actually didn't see the tie between the two. Yeah. And I really love how the story is told about the blind man, but I hadn't seen that tie, but that is a very, I think you're on something really important and how they're, what they go through. Because even both of them have community kind of disgruntled with them. Yeah. Right? Oh, like yeah, yeah. Artemis is calling. And he's just kind of in the way, so they try and quiet him and tell him to stop. Whereas it's the when they hear the question from James and John, they're angry. Yeah. <laughs> well, partially because they're they know what they've asked for. Oh, you want to rule us, hey? <laughs> um, I knew it this whole time. <laughs> they're at this moment. They're all going. I thought Judas was the shady one, <laughs> but it turns out John and James. How dare you? And Judas is like, yeah, I told you it's not me. Um, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I really like that tie. I don't know if I have much to say about the tie, but I really like that how they're connected in one shows a proper coming Jesus. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about it either, actually. Like, the one other thing I'm going to ask you about here is, um, is there, what can be made... Okay, just a little Bible reading yeah. tidbit of, I don't know, advice, whatever we're offering here, um, is sometimes when I'm stuck, I just start comparing and contrasting things. Yeah. Because I think most of what Scripture is doing is playing uh, either, they're, as they're writing something, they're comparing and contrasting to what they've already written and going, let me tell you this story. Now let me tell you a different story that seems similar and show you, and you should right. see the differences here. Right. We should see the things that are the same. Yeah. And then that's even why they make so many allusions to other places in scripture going, this is what's going on is yeah. that thing that you've read about a long time ago. So yeah. it's really helpful when you're reading scripture to keep an eye on what's being compared and contrasted. Yeah. 
and start asking those questions for yourself. So um, just thinking about what James and John are asking for versus what Bartimaeus is asking for. Mm-hmm. And if, there, if that plays a part in them receiving it or getting, because they, they want to ask Jesus for whatever they want. And Jesus says, well, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And Bartimaeus also wants to ask for whatever he wants. And Jesus says, well, what do you want? James and John want glory. And Bartimaeus just wants his sight back. I think it, it sounds to me like glory versus salvation, like rescue me mm. versus can we have what you have? Bartimaeus sees himself properly up against Jesus. Oh, yeah. The blind guy sees himself properly. <laughs> and I think that's intentional because even like we already know his name is Bartimaeus. And we know we know who his dad is, yeah, even. Yeah. But then, the uh, verse fifty-one, it just says, "And the blind man." Like, what do you mean, the blind man? You mean Bart? <laughs> Bart. <laughs> We're Bart. We know his dad, Tim. <laughs> the tool man. Oh, sorry, that was before <laughs> your time. <laughs> no, I, I grew up watching that. Um, uh, yeah. Also, in verse forty-nine, they call him the blind man. Mm. Hmm. But the, that that's why I like to compare and contrast because good things come from it. That is really insightful that uh, James and John are after glory and Bartimaeus is going, I just need to be whole. Mm-hmm. Like I'm lacking. Mm-hmm. I'm at a disadvantage here. Yeah. You're, you're the one that can save, and I need saving. Yeah. Whereas James and John, in their familiarity, probably, right? They know Jesus. Yeah. And so they go, hey, could we have what you have? Mm-hmm. That's what I'd like. It's, it is interesting. I, you know what caught me about the story of Bartimaeus? It was just kind of like, it was like if I, if I just re- read the whole story without any of the details... There's someone calling Jesus. The community tries to quiet, quiet him. He calls all the more. Jesus hears him. So one is just, for me personally, that's a massive statement right there. Hmm. Calling, the community responds poorly. It doesn't stop him from calling out to Jesus because all he's doing is calling out to Jesus. He's not doing anything other than saying, I need Jesus. Mm-hmm. So he's crying out to Jesus. The community's like, you're being a nuisance. And he's like, I don't have anything else. I got nothing but Jesus, so I'm going to keep crying out to Jesus. Well, Jesus responds. I love what it really hit me, though, was Jesus responds by calling him back. That was huge to me. Oh, yeah. Because I thought, oh, he didn't turn and walk over to the man, the blind man. <laughs> He didn't turn and walk over to the blind man (laughs) and present himself to him. Instead, Jesus hears and he calls back through the community that did it wrong Hmm. to say, can you get him to come to me now? And Bartimaeus' response is not, Jesus, I'm blind. (laughs) He he stands up and somehow runs to Jesus. He hasn't even talked to Jesus. It's not like Jesus is 10 feet away and he knows exactly where he's standing. Jesus has had to call through a bunch of people 
to get him. And now he just stands up and takes off for Jesus wherever he's going. And obviously, again, the community has to lead him, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus corrects the community that got it wrong in the beginning, requires something of the blind man, which is to continue to come to him. Mm-hmm. So he's done it with his voice, but now he's actually got to do something, come to me. Yeah. And then when he gets there, he still requires something of him, which is, what would you like? Right? So he's like, now, now let's have a conversation about it. So all of this is happening, and there's no way Jesus doesn't know what he's going to ask for. Yeah. Right? He's, <laughs> there's no way he's like, what? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to ask. There's probably a number of ways that Bartimaeus <laughs> could have chosen to be offended. <laughs> That's you, true. <laughs> tell him to come to me. Bartimaeus, he's calling you. D- <laughs> He wants me to come over there. <laughs> he wants me to go through that huge crowd of people. To and find he gets him. there. Jesus, what do you want? What do you think I want? But that's what I would do. Yep. I'd be offended. Yep. I'd first at my community. At right. first I'd be offended at the community. Yeah. And then probably I'd stop calling. Not because I didn't want Jesus less, but because I'm angry at the community or I'm whatever, right? going, well, fine, whatever. I'll just do it a different way because you guys are being a bunch of whatever. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't let that happen. So then he's another example. So he's an example not to me. But then he's an example to me because when Jesus says, through that same community that then just wronged me, he's using that same community to now lead me to him. Mm -hmm. He has corrected the community, but if I've just been angry with the community... I'm out. I'm not even going to believe them. I'm not going to, right? We've missed every, every opportunity. Yeah. But instead, Jesus uses the very community. He corrects them. He says, do this instead. They do that instead. And Bartimaeus listens. And I'm just like, okay, another example to me. He now, now he listens to the same community because he knows now they're leading him to Jesus. Before they were keeping him from Jesus, that's not right. I'm mm-hmm. not going to listen to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be angry with them or let it stop me. I'm going to seek Jesus continually anyways. Now they're going, okay, let's lead you to Jesus. And he doesn't go, you idiots, I knew it. I told you. He just, he just gets excited because then it's about Jesus still. Yeah. It's not about proving the community wrong. It's still about Jesus. And then Jesus gets there and Jesus still doesn't immediately heal him. And again, I would go, are you kidding me? <laughs> like I'm in your presence now. Uh-huh. So I've continually called you. I'm really broken. The community is a bunch of jerks. And now I'm in your presence. Why aren't you just fixing me? And Jesus instead wants to have a conversation with me. Wants to hear my heart. Wants to know what I really want. What's really inside of me. Hmm. And so, so Jesus, he, what really hit me was Jesus meets him. He hears him. He heals him. And then he sends him. Those are the four things Jesus does with him. Meets him, hears him, heals him, and sends him. And so there's this opportunity for Bartimaeus now. He could have received that healing, turned around, grabbed his cloak on the way out, and left. Instead, he uses it as an opportunity to now follow Jesus. Yeah. And notice, too, the, the like, Jesus mentions his faith which wouldn't have really been demonstrated if on the first 
son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, there's, there's faith expressed there. Yeah. But if Jesus hears, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, and then turns immediately to him, goes over to him, heals him, sees what's going on, heals him, um, we don't get a, a full picture of the depth of Bartimaeus' faith. Mm-mm. But when he has to keep crying out, despite his community, has to get up, run over, in the dark. In the dark. <laughs> uh, despite that setback, has to submit his need. Yeah. Uh, it just it gives a fuller picture of how much faith he has. Yeah. And there's something, like, that's a big one for me. I keep thinking through it, like, submitting his request to Jesus. It was not enough for him to walk up to Jesus and say, well, you should know. Mm-hmm. You know my heart. Like if he believed, because he believed, right? He's the Mm -hmm. son of man. He's like, son of man, have mercy on me. There's some level of faith there. I believe in who you are, but it's still an obedience to who he is. Yeah. So when Jesus says, so what do you want? He, He gives him what he wants. He responds. He gives him an obedient response. Um just uh, that whole thing just floored me. I felt like, oh, I got a lot to learn from Bartimaeus. Like, not angry with the people, not judgmental, never lost sight of the fact that it was Jesus that was going to heal him. He saw Jesus properly. He saw himself properly. He was seeking. And then he used his healing as a way in which to turn around and follow Jesus rather than just go and do what's exciting. Hmm. And so... Jesus sends him, and he follows. Interesting. Huh. That was, I like that one. Yeah, I guess his response to, in following is not like, go, it's the opposite of going, okay, thanks, that's all I needed you for. Yeah. It's, wow, thanks. What do you need? Yeah. What are, you, what are you doing? What can I be a part of here? Yeah. Yeah, I think that is just a powerful image in that story to reflect on just, I, I guess, how to ask Jesus for things. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's also that piece of how to be the community. Yeah. <laughs> or, or if you're the person asking for things, how to interact with your community yeah. when they're leading you to Jesus or keeping you from him, yeah. not being offended. Don't let that keep you from asking. Yeah. They're probably going to do both. Yeah. They're going to, at times, they're going to be the very thing that Jesus uses to heal you. Yeah. To lead you to him. And then other times they're going to be the very thing that holds you back. Don't lose sight of Jesus. Yeah. Well. Well. That wasn't too long, was it? That was like record time almost. That's one of our <laughs> shortest yet. Well, okay. thanks guys for listening. We will see you next episode.